Hi, and welcome to the Legal Innovation Talks podcast, where we have discussions with legal thought leaders from around the world in order to uncover the future of the legal space. I'm your host, Stephen Pulver. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Legal Innovation Talks. My name is Stephen Pulver, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my friend and colleague, Michelle Alanot from Journey Law, amongst many other things that I know she does in this industry, which we're going to get to as part of this conversation. Michelle, how are you doing this morning? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, the sun is shining. Life is busy. But uh, I get to have amazing conversations like this once or twice a week. Um, and this is my favorite time of the week. So That sounds pretty cool to me. We, you know, we, we, get to, we get to spend the next half hour or so together and chat legal industry and technology and crochet. Let's see the crochet <laughs> again. I want to see what, 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 what's being created. So tell me, you got into crocheting as a hobby during the pandemic or this was something that has no, been... No. Um, so I did it, I don't know, when I was like in my early teens, my mom knitted and crocheted and sewed and I learned all that stuff. And then uh, my daughter uh, has um, scoliosis. So she had surgery at Chio in 2018 and I have ADD and I knew I was going to just be losing it while she was in surgery and then just being in the hospital with her for several days after. And I knew I'd also be too tired to read and things like that. So I'm like, I need to do something with my hands. So I said to one of my friends who's a knitter, I said, like, do you think I can like reteach myself in the next couple of weeks? And she said, yeah, here's some YouTube videos. And if you need needles, here's, you know, my mom still had her, her needles. So I just started, she said, start with dishcloths. So this is what I'm making is a dishcloth. It's a make, make, so how big is it'll be like a normal, like show me how big yeah, that is now. It'll be okay. like, this is like, so this is the first time I've done this like diagonal action here. Um, I actually screwed it up and had to redo the whole thing. It took me like quite a while. Anyway. Um, there's no but, edit. Uh, undo, there's no edit undo when you're in the real world, correct? No, you have to just rip it apart. My my kids and stepkids love to do that. But yeah, I make dishcloths, blankets, um, coffee cozies. I've done slippers, but they don't work out so well. But it's just kind of meditative and something to do with my hands when I'm like. I mean, I can do it now on the call. I can do it while I'm watching TV. It's better than you know eating junk food and stuff like that. So and it really helped when it was in the I was in the hospital with her. I think the day of her surgery, I made like eight, <laughs> eight, eight dishcloths. Well, I, I I hope she's okay, and and I'm sure I'm I'm certain that that something like that would take you through uh, through times where you'd be otherwise fidgeting, biting nails, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. all the things that that I've been uh, prone to do in in, in my past. So uh, that is that is great. Um, let's start with talking about passion. So whether it's crochet or it's your work or it's family, whatever it is, it seems one of many ways we are so aligned in, in many conversations before us around passion and being genuine mm-hmm. and authentic. How does that, how does that play into your practice and what you've built? And, and I think actually, why don't you also give us a kind of high level overview of journey law and what you've built and let's talk about passion today, because I think it's, it's something that is right. very important that we both feel uh, very strongly about. So my practice is journey law. Um, it was Alan law office before. So I, I opened in 2009 um, I had been a lawyer for several years prior. I had a few different changes um, in my career due to, um, you know, having kids and moving with my then spouse. Um, we rebranded Journey Law in the fall. Um, first of all, Alanot is really hard for people to spell, so it was really annoying to have to spell my first name, which is unusually spelled, and my last name in every single email. <laughs> like when I would give my email address to people, also. 
I would like to move the firm to, you know, I'm, I'm expanding. I have, you know, more lawyers. Um, it's easier to have a large team when I'm not, you know, the name on the door. Um, and it just fit our, um, our vision. Um, you know, I'm, I've been a lawyer 18 years now. I'm seeing my clients and their children through various life stages, businesses, selling businesses, you know, uh, some of the children who were like kids running around my office when their parents came to sign are now buying their own home. So uh, the journey that I see clients through sort of, you know, that fit the model. And I also love to travel. So there's a little bit of a play on that. Our, our logo is the paper airplane. So I, I I love that. So your the practice itself is multidisciplinary. You're it sounds like you're doing some real estate. You're doing some corporate. Yeah. So we have like a solicitor's practice is what you know most people in Ontario would consider it. So I do real estate, business law, um, estates, and estate planning. Uh, that's the areas that we do. We don't do litigation. We have litigation counsel that does litigation. And, um, so. and how, how much of your days are comprised of practice versus running running the office? I, I'm sure that things have changed quite a bit since, since you were perhaps yourself, uh, different brands, are, are you finding yourself doing more on the business side than you are on the practice side? I mean, I track all of my time, um, billable and non-billable, even my personal, like, you know, doing stuff for my kids. So I can see it and it's like, it's almost 50, 50. Uh, I try and, you know, delegate what I can. Um, but there's some things that only I can do. And then because we've done so many techno technological changes in the last year, we're still working on some of those. So a lot of the time it's me implementing something and then teaching everyone else how to use it. So um, I probably spend more than the average lawyer does right now because we're still in that transition period. Um, and then also you and I have talked several times, I, I love technology. So I'm always looking for ways to use it, you know, more, better, faster sort of thing, more efficiently. Um, so some of it is that I'm just taking the time because I'm interested in finding out more about how we can use Teams to, um, you know, to use it as our, our um, operational guide, things like that. So it's not all, it's not all essential. <laughs> there's, there's of course one nugget in there that I want to drill down on. What can, what can Michelle only do? What, what, what is your, what is in your expertise that, that you believe you do better than anyone else? Um, it's not that it's better. It's just that it's like, it's my firm and it's my vision. And so some of the technology pieces, n not everybody sees them all from the back end Like I do. I mean, like our website, I'm probably going to teach one of my staff how to update the website simply. Um, but I built our website. I'm in the middle of trying to revamp it. We just got some great photos done by a local company called the CoLab. I'll give them a shout out, uh, framed photography. Um, so I have to do those new photos and I so want to do It's not just legal work. It's not just legal no. work that you're saying when you say that. You you mean as yeah. a, as it, perhaps it is also legal work, but it's, it's yeah. the, the things it's the that- the vision. It's how things fit together. It's and yes, I can delegate some of those things, but sometimes I, for me, I often have to, well, we talked about this with Minutebox. Um, I have to see how it works and I need to understand it for myself and see how it will work for our practice before I'm ready to show everyone else. Like I can't just delegate, you figure out what software we're using for this particular thing and tell me what we're doing. I just, I can't do that right now. There's, I mean, there's only, you know, two lawyers. We had three, we're down to two right now it's not like we're a firm of 18 lawyers. I mean, I still need to be the one, I'm gonna be working with it every day and I'm gonna be the one training people probably for the least, at least the beginning. So I need to figure out, does it work for me? Does it work for us? Does it work for my vision? And what are those two, I know you mentioned teams and I'm sure there's, mm -hmm. there's tons of others. What are, 
I'm more interested right now in actually in the in the mistakes or the or the uh, dead ends that you might have gone down. Let's think of some experience of uh, <laughs> yes. Let, let's talk about some of those. Um, whether it's software or approaches, let's talk about some things that that haven't worked that now that now do work with thanks to technology or delegation or or anything like that. Those are the things I'm 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 interested in. I mean, if we want to go way back, even when I first started my practice, it was 2009. Clio was sort of just brand new in in Canada. Um, I could have started with Clio then, and I chose not to because it was you know it seemed like it was too new. Um, you know, I wasn't sure about how it was all going to work, uh, so I chose uh, I chose to go with uh, you know I had a server, I had PC Law, um, and we only changed that last year. Um, and then when I was looking to make the change from PC Law, I did a demo of Cosmolex. I think I even paid for a month or two. I tried it out for a while. Um, when I wanted to do Clio, I looked at Clio Grow. I built out some stuff in Clio Grow, tried to figure out if that was going to work for us. I ultimately went with Lawmatics. Um, so I did demo lots of different kinds of software, um, even when I was looking for, you know, the Minibox and like our other um, area of law specific softwares, I've demoed like almost everything that there is available <laughs> for most of them um, and tried some out and felt like they weren't going to work for us, felt like the limitations just didn't work. Um, the most recent one I had to do was uh, estate software to do estate applications. None of, the, none of the solutions actually do what I really want it to do. So I did what, go with one, but. What, what do you want software to do? And I know that this can get nuanced <laughs> and very, very specific, but uh, you know, I, I'm interested, I'm interested obviously in this area, but I'm, I'm more interested in, for, for people that are listening, for you to share some of the things that weren't working for you so that people listening can say, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that being an issue, but that is actually an issue. Yeah. I mean, for Cosmolex, it's a great product. Um, it, it really does the... By the way, don't, don't, don't feel like we need to talk about specific, one specific oh, no. product or, or, or other. So, uh, But the this, real limitation for me with that one was that it doesn't it's not an open API. You can't link it to too many things. There's a couple of things you can link it to and integrate it with, but that's it. So for me, software that doesn't integrate with other software ticks me off because that means we're going to have to do data entry in the new kind of software. That's, that's one thing. If you want small, especially for small firm lawyers to use your software, it needs to be able to integrate with Clio and Cosmolex or whatever, although Cosmolex doesn't integrate with anything really. I'm not, not, dissing them. They're a great product, but they just don't integrate with enough things. Um, so that's, so sometimes it's that they don't integrate with the practice management software. And sometimes it's just that they don't integrate with anything. Um, and for my estate software, I need it to do a few different areas of things. Only one product does all of them, not a great interface. And it's, you do still require a server or a computer that you use as a server and all of the estate software in Ontario does still require you to have it installed on a computer because the database lives there. I'm like, but that's not the cloud. Like if you're saying it's cloud-based, it needs to actually be cloud-based. So those are my two beefs with any kind of software. It doesn't integrate and I can't use it to its fullest capacity because I can't integrate it. And it's not actually in the cloud. I, I think you make great points uh and obviously music music to my ears in terms of <laughs> the approach we've taken in, in our own business but but more so music to my ears because i think it's important for people to to, to hear that that 
um, you know, integrations, uh, you know, we can have an entire podcast just on integrations. I have, I have strong opinions in one way or the other. Uh, on cloud-based versus fake cloud, I, I mean, I think there's no question uh, that that cloud is, is just a de facto, uh, you know, in our own products, you know, there is no server side anything. It's just, you know, you're in the cloud or you're not. Uh, there, there are a lot of vendors I think out there that are pushing kind of this hybrid where it's, it's fake cloud. Uh, I know that's a, that's a term that's thrown around uh, here and there. Uh, on the integration side, that, that's an interesting piece as well, right? Because uh, I know exactly the feeling uh, having been in your shoes, maybe not as the owner of, of a firm, but, but at least, you know, working in a, a similar position of saying, okay, I have to render an invoice. And I also have to uh, track my time. And I also have to store the documents related to this deal. And I have to do all these things and I'm finding myself copying and pasting, perhaps even making errors in places because I can't get them to speak to, to one another. Um, all of those things are true. I think that the danger and one of the things that we've talked about, um, I think you and I, but, but also as a community uh, through the council is this, the, the inherent security implications of, of integrations. Um, when, when it comes to things like knowing where data is going to reside at any one time, not just security, but also where is the canonical actual version of, of a file or of an item. Uh, and those things can start to get complicated. So tell me a little bit about when you're viewing these integrations, what your kind of baseline, they must, I must be able to do this kind of thing with an integration. Like, what are you using to integrate things generally? What is your approach to integrations? How do you deal with things like security? I know kind of a loaded question, but we'd just love to, to, to hammer down a little bit more on the integration side. I mean, because it's not available, a lot of the integrations are just really taking the basic information, like the client name and phone number. I mean, that still is, you know, it's the information that we need to protect, but it's, it's just the basic file opening information. Usually that that's all that I'm integrating right now. But, um, you know, I mean, I do look at all the software choices that I make um, when I do use um, something like Zapier to connect two kinds of software. I've already researched those two kinds of software right. um, to connect them together. So it's not like I'm you know, I, I'm, I'm only using the products that I've already researched. Um, and so it's like really like a limited loop, you know, Office 365, Clio, Lawmatics. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I integrate. I have a, a chatbot software that I just really use to just get like, like a basic information from the client. And then the rest of it is accessed through somewhere else. Um, but we are collecting that information and you know they with the area of law specific software there's nothing that integrates quite well enough so we're still doing data entry and i mean it's 2020 i shouldn't have to be putting the client's name phone number and email address in three pieces of software that's just ridiculous right. you know and this is something that i'm certainly sympathetic of uh i get uh, i just mm -hmm. i understand the exact position you're in um mm -hmm. I can say having used everything from uh, literally, I, I think from our conversations, Michelle, if I've learned anything, it's that I think you and I are both, we like tinkering around with new tools, new toys. And I think that that's kind of the, the consummate modern professional is one that is just loves rolling up their sleeves and learning a tool, even if it ends up being a dead end, just because you now know that that tool is not right for you. 
mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. letting someone else say that it's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. So I want to commend you on many things, but that one in particular, um, because the ability for the modern professional to be curious and to be uh, excited and pissed off as well. I mean, these are all emotions. Like yeah. if you, if you've, if you sunk, um, 20, 30, 40, a hundred hours into Microsoft teams. And then you realize like it doesn't have the one piece of functionality that you didn't even think to ask because it seems so basic. Uh, that is the key in my view of, of the, of the modern professional, which is don't just take the tools that are out there and being marketed to you as the best in breed, actually roll up your sleeves, do the work, see what you can get by with Zapier, other, other, uh, and other integrations and come to a definitive conclusion such Mm -hmm. that I, I trust your opinion the same way others will trust your opinion because you've actually, you're the one that's actually done. You've done the work. You've, Hmm. you you know, more than just the legal operation or the legal side, you're aware of all the complexities that go into actually um, driving your firm forward. Mm -hmm. So you, you should know as well that there's not a lot of professionals. We you know, you speak to thousands upon thousands of professionals, but they're not necessarily thinking that way, right? They're thinking, okay, I'm going to start my own firm. And this is really where the second part of this conversation I think is going to head, which is I want, I'm, I'm at a big Bay street firm. I consider myself, you know, let's say this person considers themselves an innovative person to some degree, but I've heard from multiple people saying, yeah, I want to leave my big cushy Bay street firm job and start my own firm. And I'm saying, okay, like what is your approach? And the approach is, well, I'm going to hire a consultant or I'm going to hire someone who has been doing this for 30 plus years. Hmm. And my immediate question is, well, has that person played with Cosmo X? Has that person played with all of these tools? All of this to be said, what advice do you have for those that are looking to start their own practice or start their own modern firm, whatever it might be, when it comes to working with technology, give, give them some words of advice and some of your best practices that, that you've, and this is general, it's not yeah. about any specific tool. Um, so anybody who follows me and people who listen to this podcast after will be in groups with me on Facebook or they'll be, they'll follow me on Twitter and they will know that I usually am saying, let's use the tools that we have. Let's figure out how to use them to their fullest because yeah, you can get shiny new things syndrome where you're like, Oh, this thing can do this thing. Well, you might already have a product that does that. Like I canceled text expander because uh faster suite has a, a text expander type product. Oh. Which is the, I love text expander. So sorry. So as a complete aside, yeah, we, but long, yeah. faster suite does it. So, so it does it within, and is faster suite. Is that a, is that a legal tech or that's just a general, it's a app? legal tech. It's an add on to Clio. I'm looking this up right now. It's called faster suite. Yeah, it's great. It does so many things. It, I mean, it will file your emails for you um, into the file. Uh, it creates a drive on your computer. So when you're looking at your files, it's like, you had a server. Um, and for me, that was really important because sometimes being entirely cloud-based, you know, you have to download stuff before you want to look at a document and it, it can be cumbersome. So for me, it made it a lot easier. It does the text expander thing. It does templates. It does, um, we can do our conflict checks with one button. I mean, I, I'm not even, I'm only probably using it maybe 20 or 30% and they tell me that I'm using it more than a lot of people 
That's amazing. Use it R. That's amazing. I, I know we just got derailed talking about text expander. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we 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 use a text because it's like four ninety nine, like four dollars and ninety nine cents, and then it's literally the same program. You never have to pay for it again. Um, oh, that's good. But I as as not a f- uh, faster suite user, uh, I I can't I literally cannot live without a text or text expander, one of those tools. So mm-hmm. I love brought up that tidbit because there's probably people out there that have no idea what we're talking about in any in any way, and if they mm-hmm. don't. You should check out, of course, Faster Suite if you're practicing and, and it, it works out well for you. But also just as general applets, text expander and or a text are just spectacular. But you can also do similar things in Outlook, in Word, in Clio itself. Um, almost every software has something where you can do sort of like a quick word situation. I mean, those who used to use WordPerfect can remember macros, right? So um, if you're typing something out more than once a day, and it's more than four letters, you really should do some sort of short form for it. I mean, not to everything, but let, you know, you can, you can do a, a macro or a text expander for letters, for everything, for template emails, for, so yeah, I mean, so I, I do mentor some young lawyers and I'm always saying, okay, there's some really great Facebook groups. Um, uh, so there is a Faster Suite Facebook group. There is a Clio uh, Facebook group. There's a great Facebook group called Lawyer on the Beach. Actually, Regina um, Edwards is the like founder of the group. She's amazing as well. Um, and so that group is really about remote practice. Um, and Regina is amazing. She shares all of her stuff. And, and her sort of motto is use what you have to the fullest, but also what can you use for free or for very cheap? Because she's a huge AppSumo fan. Um, so she will, you know, get great AppSumo deals and then try and make something work. Like I think she uses Dubsado for her, um, like for her workflows and things like that. So that's a great resource. So it's, you know, there's her and then there's the rest of the people in the group that are giving great tips. Um, Maximum Lawyer is another great group. Um, I think Ernie the Attorney has a group called automated lawyer or something, but Ernie, the attorney is really good. Um, and I listen to podcasts about this stuff. So, I mean, I think that if you're going to be opening your own practice, you need to start doing some research before you actually take the leap to figure out what things you maybe want to use and how, and then yeah, check them out before you use them and figure out what you can do in the beginning Try, as quickly as possible, like bootstrap it. It's, it's, uh, I, I think that that's uh, your last point being the best. Don't go out and it's so easy to in anything in life to just get into something and um and just go all all out uh mm-hmm. i'm guilty of it in, in so many ways uh, i just started to get into biking very very little bit i have a bike from when i was little thanks to my <laughs> friend and colleague kitchener to getting me uh getting me all set up on my bike uh again um it was like riding a bike but i could very easily go out and purchase all of the clothing and special water bottles and GPS tracker gizmos, but no, 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 like dip your toe in, see if you still a know how to ride a bike in my case or in others. See, see if this being on your own, starting your own practice is something that works for you because you can invest all of this technology, all of this time. And if you still hate practicing law, Mm-hmm. You know, like that was, that was me in many cases. I just didn't like practicing law. It didn't matter where I, it turned out it was the technology and the helping and the operations and all the ancillary things to law that interested me. You need to take the time. And this is advice to everyone. So thank you for that of, of deciding, is this for me? 
I'm going to add in technology as needed, as opposed to just going full bore. I need everything from, mm -hmm. from moment one. Yeah. You can't do it all at once. Um, even if you're doing things at low cost, I'm a hundred percent guilty of a spending money that I didn't need to spend and basically wasting money and B, um, thinking that I could do everything all at once. I mean, Lawmatics is an example. It's a great product. And when I got Lawmatics, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to automate my entire practice right away. Well, you can't do it that way. I mean, you can build out something and then make, build it out more and then build up the next thing, but you can't literally sit down and automate your practice in a few days. It, it takes time to build those processes and it's frustrating sometimes because you want to have it all ready to go. But I mean, you need to, you know, things need to happen in steps. Things need to happen gradually, I think, for them to be most effective. Because if you just implement everything all at once, you're not going to know where the mistakes are. Um, and you can, you can waste a lot of money as well. A hundred percent. Michelle, I want to, I want to close with one key piece and that's around authenticity, being genuine. These are words that we've used previously together, talking about our practices and, and what we're doing. Um, and you've also mentioned it prior to this interview, how important is being genuine? How important is being your authentic self and your firm's authentic self? How has that impacted your growth? So, I mean, it even happened very early on, you know, you go to law school and you're, you know, you're told Bay Street, it's all, this is what you need to do. And it just never felt right for me. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's a certain decorum, there's a certain way you're supposed to act. And so during articling interviews, I'd actually, I was already engaged to be married to my now ex-husband. And someone said, don't tell people that you're engaged, don't wear your ring to your articling interviews. So I didn't for most of them. I had, I had a lot of articling interviews. I had like 30 interviews or something. I did pretty well. Um, but I didn't get offers from most of those firms. The firm that I got an offer from, you know, they do the call at 8 a.m. was the firm I ultimately articled with. And that was the firm I was like, oh, I don't think I really want to work here. I'm just going to like wing it. And I wore my ring and I used the example of my wedding binder as, you know, how I was organized and how I, how I had organizational skills. So we chit chatted about that in the interview and they called me at 8 a.m. I was the most authentic in that interview and that was the job that I got. So, you know, it takes a little while to find your feet as a lawyer, but that was a, a clear lesson to me that being authentic was how you make connections with people. Um, and I've definitely sort of tried to figure out who I am as a lawyer over the course of my career. And, and being as true as I can to my authentic self is what makes my business successful, is what makes clients connect with me, is what makes me help clients better, is what makes me a better boss, a better colleague. Um, I can't just put on this blazer and say, okay, lawyer Michelle is in the house. I have to integrate who I am as a person with who I am as a lawyer. I can't just have these two separate parts of me. That was perfect. That was really encompassing everything I, I, I wanted you to, to, to share with people because it's something that I believe in very strongly. It's something culturally we believe in very strongly, both through the council and obviously at Minibox, but being your true self and showing your true passion and following those true passions uh, has proven more and more and more to be the case to just allow people to do their best work and be fulfilled and happy. And what might, what might get me excited or you excited might be totally different than what might get someone else excited. But just that 
opportunity to be authentic and genuine is so important and will only become more important uh, as, as we progress. You know, just before this call, uh, I was on a, a training with, with, a, with, with, a, with a new client and uh, my 16-month-old baby walked in and uh, I think six months ago, I probably would have panicked if I was on a Zoom call and she just walked in and was just chilling there. Um, but it was just a moment to pause and just say, oh, there's my daughter. She's mm-hmm. uh, she's just hanging out here, I guess, on this training call. And there is this moment of just pure, genuine happiness in a group. And these are so important. Uh, Michelle, it's it's so nice to always connect with you. It's even more fun to do it on a podcast. What we're trying to do is uh, circle back with our guests after a certain number of months. And uh, we'll definitely do that. We'd love to have you back in, in, a, in a couple months to see how things are going on your end and talk about any new tools and, and any new processes and, and some things you've learned. Um, but that's really it from our end. So I want to thank our guest, Michelle Alanot from Journey Law for joining us. This has been another week's episode of the Legal Innovation Talks podcast. Michelle, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.